It's time now for North Star Sports, your source for the hottest sports takes in the business. Here's your host, Owen Ely. Hello, everyone, and welcome to North Star Sports. I'm your host, Owen Ely. You can follow me on Twitter at Owen Ely MN. You also can follow North Star Sports on Twitter at North Star MIN. Be sure to check out our website at NorthStarsports.media. And welcome into the show, everyone. We got a great one for you today here on this Monday, December 28th, as we are here for one thing and one thing only. And that is for mailman's matchmaking. Uh, probably a short show today. Obviously, we are in a UFC lull. We just had the first Saturday with uh, no UFC event in fucking something, something crazy. Uh, so that that sucks. And we still got two more Saturdays uh, without that. But obviously, uh, you know, we'll have a lot to talk about later in the week. Hopefully. Hopefully we'll get Reagan Hooverman back on the show. It's been like eight years, but uh, we'll try to get him back on the show and uh, discuss his Green Bay Packers and and uh, the state of the NFL. I will definitely be doing a Vikings podcast uh, after Week 17. Uh, it's it's going to be uh, fire and fury like uh, the world has never seen. Um. Yeah, and that'll be a fun one, too, because we're going to go over our uh, preseason record predictions and just how wrong or how right we were with our predictions. Uh, I think, unfortunately, unfortunately, it looks like the old Regmeister might be a little more correct with his picks than I was, but, uh, you know, maybe we'll uh, maybe we'll actually do the math on it and see who was more correct, but, uh, you know, that'll be fun. But, uh, like I said, today we are here for one thing and one thing only, and that is for Mailman's Matchmaking. Uh, haven't done that in uh, a few months, so I figured, uh, you know, it's as good of a time as ever to do it during this little uh, winter vacation we are on. Uh, don't want to do mailman's matchmaking too often because we got to let the UFC play out here. But uh, oh, I'd say I probably have uh, 15 fights, maybe 15 fights uh, that I'm gonna go over, and uh, you know, these are fights I have to see. Uh, not only in 2021, but uh, we'll say the first two quarters, well, commonly known as the first half of uh, 2021, because, you know, maybe some people are injured, you know, so we got to allow some time for that to happen, but um, we'll waste uh, no time here. We'll go from uh, heavyweight all the way down to, uh, I think we have a women's strawweight fight on here. Oh, nope, we do not. We'll go to women's flyweight, because uh, I don't care about women's uh, strawweight enough to put a match on there. Because uh, these, these are the ones I, f- I feel strongly about. I have to see them, not just fights that should be made. Because otherwise, I could go up and down the roster and just go, this fighter, this fighter, this fighter, all take on each other. But, uh, you know, these, these are ones I feel passionate about. So the first one's a no-brainer here at heavyweight. I have to see Stipe Miocic fight Francis Ngannou for the second time. Uh, I feel stupid putting this one on here. Of course, uh, I, I should preface this entire conversation by w- with saying that, uh, uh, to the best of my knowledge, no fighter that I have listed has a, a fight on the books. So these can't be, well, I want to see McGregor and Poirier. Okay, well, you're in luck. That's already booked. So, you know, ir- irrelevant uh, to, to, to say that. But this one I don't believe is on the books, but it's a no-brainer, so I'll go very quickly through it. But I have to see it. Ngannou has just destroyed that heavyweight division. Uh, he's he's our number one ranked 
heavyweight at North Star Sports. I think, obviously, he's number one with the UFC as well. Uh, first fight didn't go his way. He was very raw uh, at the time. Uh, I, I hope his wrestling has got a little bit better. There's always the the danger of getting knocked out when you're fighting in Gano. I know the danger was there the first time, and it didn't happen, but I think he's a better striker. It, it would make no sense. There, there's, there's no other fighter that would make sense. I mean, you're, you're looking... Well, I can pull up the rankings here because they're going to be very relevant as we continue this discussion uh, today. But, I mean, Curtis Blades and Ganu's knocked him out twice. Rosenstrike sitting there at three. He's knocked him out. Uh, I guess Derek Lewis, he hasn't knocked out at four. But, you know, I don't think he's done enough to, to be in consideration for a, a title shot. And I think, I think he's still scheduled to fight Curtis Blades. I know they were supposed to fight in, what was it, the end of November. But... Uh, you know the old the old Rona happened, or was it early December? Either way, uh, I think that's already on the books. So I have to see that, and we'll, we'll get that out of the way. The other fight I have to see at heavyweight is see because heavyweight's interesting because like I've been saying for about six months, heavyweight is so stratis- uh, stratified. Where Miocic is obviously the champ, he just won a trilogy about to to you know solidify that. Nganu was obviously the number one contender. You could not make another argument for the number one contender. Curtis Blades is obviously number two. Rosenstrike is obviously three. Lewis is obviously four. And there's miles in between them. Uh, you know, because, because we had to wait so long for this uh, Miocic and Cormier trilogy to play out, the rest of the division didn't stop moving. They kept fighting each other. And just like different layers of of fucking sand and rocks and pebbles, everybody found their place, and they are locked in their place. So we have, uh, I just went over, Miocic and Nganu, they're going to fight. Not only do I think that should happen, I think it will happen. Blades is going to fight Lewis. Uh, Overeem is going to fight, I think, Volkov. So when I'm looking at the top 10, I mean, everybody has everybody has their place. There's only two glaring omissions who don't have fights, and that's Rosenstrike and Cyril Gan. So let's match them up uh, against each other. Um, <coughs> excuse me. So that makes sense just logistically, but Cyril Gan, this was a guy who I think he had th- two or three bouts canceled in 2020, obviously got the, the win over former heavyweight champion Junior Dos Santos just a couple of weeks ago. But this is a guy who's probably the hottest prospect north of middleweight. I mean, I really do think very highly of Cyril Gaon. He, he's, he looks like he's sculpted out of marble. I like his striking. His clinch game was very good against Dos Santos. Uh, I think he probably could hold his own against a lot of fighters wrestling-wise. Maybe not the top-end guys like a Curtis Blades, but, you know, who can hold their own against a, a guy like Blades? Um, so, you know, we, we've identified this really talented guy ever since he came to the UFC at like 4-0 and or something ridiculous. 3-0, and I think. And we, we've had to wait. So let's let's not wait. We finally got him a fight against Dos Santos that propelled him up in the rankings. Fuck it. Let's let's put him on a rocket ship. I, I know it's only f- uh, four spots from seven to three, but, you know, from seven to three is, you know, it gets exponentially harder as you go up. So I like this. It would be his biggest test by far. I think JDS was a little bit washed. You know, with all due respect, obviously, he's always going to be a good boxer. But, you know, listen, he's been knocked out a lot. Uh, in, in a lot of his recent fights. 
and uh, you know Rosenstrike is game. I mean, you know, not that I think too highly of Alan Crowder's fighting abilities, but he knocked Alan Crowder out with a jab in nine seconds. I mean, flatlined Arlovsky, you know, he, he got caught by Nganu. a lot of people got caught by Nganu. so, you know, the fight makes sense for Rosenstrike as well, you, you know, you stay busy, essentially against the highest ranked opponent that doesn't have a fight, so, you know, although it looks like he's going down in the rankings, and I suppose technically, obviously he is, but, uh, you know, there's, there's nobody else to fight, so uh, I really like, I would really like to see this fight uh, take place in the heavyweight division. Uh, we have a couple fights here at light heavyweight, and light heavyweight and middleweight are going to get interesting because there are uh, the same fighters on both of them, so I don't exactly know how that would work, uh, but we'll we'll reach that uh, quandary when we, when we reach it. But uh, at the top of the division, I need to see the winner of Israel Adesanya and Jan Blahovich take on Glover Teixeira, and I know that's not well. Listen. You know, outside of the outside of the belt, outside of the fact that you know the 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 money weight division essentially, you know the the most glamorous division in UFC history, the 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 205 pound division. Outside of the fact that that belt is on the line, Izzy and Blahovich is not a glamorous fight, and uh, Izzy versus Teixeira would not be a, a you know a, a glamorous fight either. That would not be a, a, the highest profile fight you could make with a superstar like Izzy, but it's for the sake of the division, and that's that's why I say uh, it's got to be Teixeira, because Teixeira obviously is the number one contender. I don't think that guy gets enough credit for what he's done at an advanced age. Um, I, I think this is his one last uh, swing at the belt, and I obviously would favor Izzy. I would favor Izzy at 205, but I would not sleep on Blahovich. I'd probably put it 60-40 that Izzy wins that fight, but it's a real possibility that Blahovich wins. Um, you know, people have uh, slept on Blahovich, and, you know, what is it that Chaos Williams says? You know, you sleep sleep on me, and, and the doctor's going to wake you up. And, uh, I mean, that's, that's exactly what happened to Dom Reyes. It's what happened to Corey Anderson. It's what happened to Luke Rockhold. So... You know, we could think Jan Blahovich is not an elite fighter, but, you know, that light heavyweight belt would, would disagree. But either way, I want to see it. If Blahovich defends the belt, uh, you know, then it's champion versus number one. I mean, you could put Izzy against, I mean, in theory, you could put Izzy against John Jones. That fight will never happen because Izzy knows he would get destroyed. Um... But it's for the sake of the division. We need to, we need to get things uh, back in order. Uh, and, uh, I mean, the... Again, I would I would favor Izzy or Blahovich against Teixeira, but I don't know, man. Like Teixeira has more than a puncher's chance to win that fight. Let's just put it that way, because his ground game is very, very good. So uh, I would like to see that. So another fight I'd like to see in the light heavyweight division is Anthony Smith and Magomed Ankalaev. Now we have Anthony Smith currently sitting at number seven. We have Ankalaev at twelve. And this fight might sound a little random, but I, I like it for both fighters. Um, Anthony Smith, you you don't get to fight Devin Clark. So what people what people might not remember about that fight with Devin Clark because of all the craziness, you know, in these COVID times is that was not a late replacement. It was a late move from the co-main to main event, but he was originally scheduled to to fight Devin Clark. That's not how the UFC works. That's how boxing works. If if you're number five 
and you lose to Glover Teixeira and you move to number seven, you take on the number eight, the number nine, the number 10, the number 11, maybe even the number 12 guy. You don't get to fucking take on an unranked guy. That's what boxing does. Oh, you want to fight Devin Clark? Yeah, how about you, how about you go to Bellator and fight 15 Devin Clarks in a row? Because cause that's 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 the same principle. Like, no, you, you can't just fight unranked guys who are 500 just because you lost a couple of fights. That's not how that works. There's a ranking for a reason. So you're going to fight somebody lower than you because, you, you know, you're you're essentially still on a losing streak. I mean, yeah, you beat Devin Clark. All right, good for you. I mean, 85% of the light heavyweight division probably could beat Devin Clark. All right. But uh, I, I want to see him take on a real killer like Ankalaev. If he's if he's serious about getting back to the belt, you got you got to fight the best to be the best, which I don't think is going to work out for Anthony Smith because I think he's far from the best. But if we're operating under under this principle, I want to see him take on Ankalaev. I think that'd be a, a, a well a high level fight, maybe a little more high level on one end than the other. Uh, and for Ankalaev, he's essentially had a year wasted because of uh, Iwan Kutalaba. So I feel bad for Megamed Ankalaev. I, I, I honestly think, and, and this is not even taking into account that if he hadn't lost to Paul Craig with that submission, with literally one second, the latest submission, I think that's the latest, well, at least it's tied for the latest submission of all time, literally one second left in the fight and he gets arm triangled or whatever, or just triangled by uh, by Paul Craig. If, if he was... 14 and 0 and undefeated, he would be in the top five right now. But he loses to Paul Craig, uh, strings together a couple of wins, a couple of really nice knockouts uh, over Marcin Prochnio, and then uh, the the brutal, brutal front kick on Dalsha Lungiambula. And then he has that weird knockout, quote unquote, of Iwan Kutalaba, where the ref stopped it a little too soon because Iwan had the brilliant idea of pretending to be injured. And, and, you know, just catching him when he comes in, which, by the way, is illegal. You cannot pretend to be injured. I, 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 don't, I don't think that's a universal, universal rule from commission to commission, but I believe that almost every commission, that, that's, that's against the, the rules. Because um, what was it? That, uh, I was just watching a video the UFC put out about the Ultimate Fighter. And what is it? Because there's that very famous UFC guy who got knocked out because uh, he pretended to be hurt and like you know put his arm on his stomach and kind of hunched over and then the fighter came in and he knocked him out I mean this was probably 15 years ago so it's you know 11 years before I started watching the UFC so I don't fucking know the guy's name but uh, yeah I don't think that's legal I don't think you can pretend to be hurt um, and then uh, so that happens in February they were supposed to fight in April fight got canceled uh, August fight got can- twice in August and the fight got canceled and then they uh, fought uh, at uh, 254 and he knocked him out in the first round viciously that was a crazy knockout but we've just wasted and Kutalaba was not ranked so like that fight never should have even happened in the first place and Kutalaba is a fucking moron and caught COVID twice he caught COVID COVID fucking twice and they had to cancel the fight I, I forget what the the third cancellation was. But, you know, we've wasted this guy's time. And, you know, it's not like he's an old fighter. He's 28, so, you know, I suppose he could could afford to have his time wasted. But let's... Again, it's like the Cyril Gaon thing. I mean, you've been holding this guy down. The pressure's got to explode at some point. 
let's have him take on Anthony Smith. That's a name that people would know, unless you're Hector Lombard, then I guess you wouldn't know. But that's a name that, that people would know. You know, he's sitting there at number seven. So, you know, just on the outskirts of, of the top five, he's a former former title challenger. And uh, as we saw with Devin Clark, if you're not at a certain level, you know, Anthony Smith can beat you. I think, you know, we've been over this many times, but I think Anthony Smith has been in the right place at the right time at every single step on that rise to the top. Um, but but he is a capable fighter. He is a good fighter. He, again, he's, he's going to beat you if you're not at a certain level. You know what I mean? If if you're if you're Volkan and you're fucking around and you can't finish him in rounds one or rounds two and the fight goes to the ground, uh, okay, Anthony Smith could choke you out and that's what happened. You know, he he's a tough guy. You know, he he get he got his teeth knocked out by Glover Teixeira and kept fighting. You know what I mean? You don't really want to be known for that, but you know what I mean. He is he is a a certain litmus test in the light heavyweight division. So uh, I don't think you're going to see a lot of people clamoring for Megabed and Kaliyev to take on Anthony Smith, but uh, I am. I am. I, th- I think that's uh, under the radar, uh, interesting fight, and that's why it's on uh, Mailman's matchmaking. Alrighty here, we got three fights in the middleweight division. This one is uh, obvious. I don't know when it takes place, though. I don't know. I, I need to see Izzy and Whitaker too. Now, I don't. I actually don't know when Izzy and Blahovich are supposed to fight. I'm sure that is five seconds away on a Google search. But so this fight might have to take place in the summer. I mean, and and you know, I I guess this works out either way. Now this is where the quandary uh, happens because I just said that Izzy and Blahovich need to take on uh, Teixeira, or the winner of Izzy and Blahovich take on Teixeira. Now, this is a lot easier if Blahovich wins, because then Blahovich just goes on his merry way and takes on Teixeira, and Izzy, you know, fuck off, fucks off back to, to middleweight and takes on Whitaker. Little tougher, little tougher if, uh, if Izzy becomes a light heavyweight champ, but I would say, I don't know, I guess it's a coin flip. I guess it's a coin flip. I'd probably give the slight edge that if Izzy becomes a light heavyweight champ, he comes back down to middleweight, defends against Whitaker, and then maybe goes up for Teixeira, or at that point, I mean, we know how the UFC operates, this is what the mailman would like, but we know how they operate, Teixeira's not getting a fucking title shot, um, but I, I need to see this one, Whitaker is, uh, is, uh, oh, alright, so I, so I guess if t- Tapology is correct, which they normally are, that fight is not on the books between Izzy and Blahovich. so maybe, maybe with that light heavyweight, uh, matchmaking, maybe it should be Izzy and Blahovich actually fight, which is not scheduled, and then taking on Teixeira, but, uh, okay, so that throws a wrench in it a little bit, but uh, I do think that's, uh, that is what's going to happen, but, you know, let's not forget, I mean, there's not a, there's not a whole lot more for Whitaker to do, uh, other than get a title shot, I mean, all right, he got knocked out in round two at that huge pay-per-view, uh, back in October of 2019, so we're not too far removed from that, although Izzy's been very active, Rob's been pretty active, so, you know, although not a whole lot of time has passed, um, I think that would do huge numbers, and I think you probably could do it down in New Zealand, do a stadium show down there, maybe in Auckland, uh, or, or maybe you do it in Australia, you know, I, I think last I checked, which was a long time ago, so it's entirely possible I'm incorrect with my assertion, but uh, last I checked, you know, COVID's 
not hitting super hard down there relative to other places uh, in the world. So maybe you could put some fans in there. I don't know. NFL does limited fans. So, you know, maybe we don't do 60,000, but, you know, maybe we do 15 and in a 60,000 seat arena. But, you know, a dominant, dominant performance over Jared Cannonier, uh, where he almost finishes him multiple times. Cannonier was essentially the number one contender to the number one contender. So, I mean, the number two contender, uh, you know, beats Darren Till. That one was, uh, that one was a rough one. Uh, it was competitive, but it was a clear-cut Whitaker victory. Uh, so, I mean, not uh, not domination, but he definitely won that fight. So it's like, okay, do you want him to take on fucking Jack Herman? Like, what do you want him? There's there's nothing there's nothing for him to do. Now, supposedly he turned down supposedly he turned down uh, a fight with Izzy uh, if they offered it to him in December or January or whatever, because he wanted to, you know, be with his family for the holidays. So this is where I think the timetable works out for Izzy to fight Blahovich in, you know, who knows, February, and then maybe in June taking on, um, Whitaker. But I, I do think Whitaker has improved. And, and, and also, also, I mean, what is it? He's 9-1 and one at middleweight with the only loss coming to, to Izzy. So it's like, uh, we, you, t- you talk about the heavyweight top five being very, you know, ordered. I mean, the, the top two are very ordered. We know for a fact Izzy is the best middleweight uh, out there. And we know for a fact Whitaker is, is uh, the number two. So, I mean, are we going to put number one versus number five? No, let's let's do this again, especially with two wins under the belt. And uh, I'd still favor Izzy, but again, I really like Whitaker, uh, and he's a smart guy, and I think he'll I think he'll make adjustments. You know, we keep hearing about Adesanya improving on the ground, but we haven't seen it. So you know, maybe that's true, maybe it's true, but I haven't seen it. So you know, Whitaker, what was it? He was wrestling with the Australian national team or something. So like Whitaker's a pretty underrated wrestler. I think I think he he could probably do some work in the clinch. Um, I probably would not sit there and and try to strike with Izzy, which I think he learned the first time. Obviously, you're gonna have to at some point during the fight. But I you know I just don't see anyone ever having the striking striking advantage uh, on Adesanya. So you know you got to go other routes. And uh, you know I would have loved to have seen Yoel Romero go that route but obviously uh we saw you know a fucking snooze fest instead um the other middleweight fight i want to see here um that i think one of the fighters was alluding to uh after he got a win in december or late november who knows time is the fucking circle everything's blending together but i I would like to see paulo costa and marvin vittori how fun of a fucking fight would that be uh, we look at the North Star Sports rankings. We have Paulo Costa at three, Marvin Vittori at four. That would make a lot of sense. Um, it it would be a tall task for Vittori because this was a guy who jumped up like 10 spots in the rankings. But I like it. I mean, uh, you know, he handled Jack Hermanson. It, it was close, and Hermanson, he, he hit Vittori probably a few too many times. You know, you know what I mean, and and, and it looked like uh, Vittori was Freddy Krueger with all the toenail marks, I guess, from from Hermanson's feet. Um, so there there are things to clean up. I mean, you do not want to be someone who gives one 
to to take one with uh, Paulo Costa, but I, I'd love to see it. Paulo Costa's got to start somewhere. Obviously, got embarrassed and dry humped by uh, Israel Adesanya on uh, a pay per view, <clears throat> and. Um, you know, I like this. I mean, you also could go Cannoneer and Costa. Those are two fighters coming off of losses there at two and three. But uh, I like I like this one better. I like th- this one better. And um, I don't know. Anywhere this fight goes, I think it'll be interesting. Obviously, we all know that if it's a striking battle, that's going to be fun as shit. I mean, Costa is the most powerful middleweight. Uh, you know, he, he's obviously the king of bitches. And uh, his striking's very good. And Vittori's striking's very good. Um, but we haven't really seen Costa on the ground. We have seen Vittori on the ground, and, and he's pretty darn good. So, you know, the fight also gets interesting if Vittori wants to take the, the fight to the ground. Because, I, I mean, I, just, it, it, I, I guess I'm stereotyping Paulo Costa because he's Brazilian, but I assume he's a black belt in, in BJJ because most Brazilians in the UFC are. So, you know, I, I assume he's trained a day or two in his life, you know, on a BJJ mat. So... I assume he has ground skills that we haven't seen. So, uh, you know, I, I'd like to see that one a lot. And, you know, just just rankings-wise, it would make sense at, at three and four. And uh, the final middleweight fight here I want to see is Derek Brunson and Kevin Holland. Uh, I really want to see that one, uh, especially because uh, supposedly there's, there's beef behind this. Uh, and, and that makes any fight. 10 times more interesting as we'll get to in the welterweight division in a minute um but i'd, I'd like to see this uh we have kevin holland at 14 Derek brunson at five that is a rather large gap there but kevin holland five and oh uh in 2020 did have a stinker in there uh, against uh darren stewart not his best performance but coming off of the highlight real knockout of jacare souza i mean again Nine spots is a lot, but, you know, I, I think it makes sense. Wrestler versus striker. And as we saw with Brunson and Shabazian, uh, you know, Brunson's, his striking has improved a little bit. I, I still think that's going to be Kevin Holland's world. Uh, I would heavily, heavily favor Kevin Holland in this fight with all due respect to, you know, a guy who's a, a UFC veteran with many UFC wins and, and, and such. But uh, I like this new patient Brunson. But, uh, you know, and, and that's been the, the, the very um, heartening thing to see with Kevin Holland is he keeps doing these grappling tournaments. So he's not just so, someone who comes in with a kickboxer background and just goes, well, I'm a kickboxer. Either I knock someone out or I get choked out and that's it. No, I, I really do think Kevin Holland is going to fight for the belt uh, at, at, you know, one point or another. He's going to fight for the belt here uh, sooner or later. And uh, he's, he's improving a lot on the ground. So, you know, held his own against uh, Jacare, you know, during the limited exchanges there were on the ground. So, I, I don't know. That, that one's fun. I'd love to see what happened. If I had to, if I had to guess, uh, Brunson probably gets knocked out. But uh, I think that'd be a fun one. Definitely, definitely a fight that you could do uh, as, a, as a fight night main event. Uh, I, I would love to see that. And, you know, for Brunson... Uh, obviously, we know what's at stake for Kevin Holland. You know, it's it's smashing into the top five. Uh, but for Brunson, listen, it's beating someone who has a lot of hype behind their name. You know, you're going to steal some of that clout. Clout cannot be... Clout cannot be created or destroyed. It's just transferred. It, you, know, you know what I mean? So, 
I'm not going to say Derek Brunson's going to become fucking king shit if he beats Kevin Holland, you know, but he's going to steal some of that clout. So, you know, and, and you know, I assume Derek Brunson thinks that thinks that's going to be an easy fight. So even though it's, you know, all the way down in the rankings, you might be able to convince him to take that one. And, you know, if we have Izzy and uh, Whitaker and, and Costa and Vittori, well, there's not a whole lot left there at the, at the top of the division for Derek Brunson. So you got to stay busy somehow. And I assume he'd like to be in another main event. All right, moving on to the welterweight division. Uh, I might have to be a little quicker with these because we're running a little, a little bit long. Um, but I would like to see, essentially, a four-man tournament here. I would like to see the winner of Colby Covington and Jorge Masvidal versus the winner of Usman and Burns. Now, Kamaru Usman and Gilbert Burns are scheduled to fight. I believe that's in February. Covington and Masvidal are not scheduled to fight, but uh, from what I keep hearing, that's, uh, I wouldn't say a done deal, but I think that's the fight to be made there. And uh, I, I, <laughs> what a fun tournament, you know, in, in actuality. Um, I would favor Usman and uh, Covington, but really... See, that's kind of the that's kind of the fun thing about the UFC, is uh, you know boxing would go boxing would go well unless say they wanted to be on the side of Masvidal. Well, unless Covington knocks out Masvidal, we're gonna rig it so that the the refs make sure Masvidal wins because he's our boy. But uh, you know what what the UFC's done and what's brilliant and what more people need to realize is no matter the outcome, the UFC wins. You know what I mean? Like uh, Ben Askren, you know, comes to the UFC. You you uh, trade Demetrius Johnson for Ben Askren. Wow, this guy's talking wild. Gets a lot of people to tune into his fights. Okay, beats Robbie Lawler. Oh, oh, there's Jorge Masvidal. Oh, I guess he's that guy who's been in the division for a little bit. Yeah, he had a cool knockout of Darren Till. Oh, okay. Well, hopefully Ben Askren wins because that would be so fun if he got to a title fight. And, man, he'd really sell a lot of pay-per-views. And then Masvidal fucking dusts him, and now Masvidal's the shit. But what just happened to Ben Askren being, you know, the greatest thing since sliced bread? You know, the clout got transferred. So, no matter who wins, uh, you know what I mean? I, I always say about uh, if Dominic Cruz would have, or Dominic Cruz, Jesus, uh, Dom Reyes would have beat John Jones. Great outcome for the UFC. Holy smokes. Are you telling me this guy beat the greatest of all time? Wow, who is this guy? Like, but if John Jones wins, wow, this is great for the UFC. I mean, you know, the greatest of all time gets another win. So it's all about how you sell it. But as long as the fight happens, it's a win no matter what. <coughs> Excuse me. So if this is Masvidal and Burns fighting for the title, ah, th- that would be that would be interesting. Two high-level fighters. If it's Masvidal and Usman again, shit, we saw how that turned out. Uh, uh, you know, the first time, but hey, now Masvidal will have a full training camp, so there's a new angle to it. If it's Covington and Burns, well, they've been talking some shit as well, and those are, you know, those they might be the two best welterweights in that division. I wouldn't go that far, but they might be. They might be. Uh, if it's Covington and Usman, oh man, that was, that was you know, almost uh, a fight of the year, you know, candidate. That was a great kickboxing match. Covington if Covington turned it on in the final minute and didn't get knocked out, he probably would have won that fight. That's how close it was. It was it was two rounds apiece going into round five. You know what I mean? So obviously Usman got the knockout, and that's why he's the champ. 
Uh, but man, we got to run that back. That was very close. And uh, you know, we all know that the lead up to the fight's going to be fucking amazing, uh, you know, cause they don't like each other. So, you know, you can't lose, you can't lose. And, and then, uh, you know, it's probably a little less hype around Usman and Burns, but Covington and Masvidal, holy shit. We have to see that before Masvidal retires, we have to see this fight. And I want to see it first thing. Yeah, maybe not first thing. Cause we're very close to 2021, but very early in 2021, I want to see that fight. And Man, you know, can Masvidal knock him out? Will Covington, you know, put on the cardio and put on the wrestling and and do what he did to Robbie Lawler where he's just taking you up, down, up, down, up, down, uh, peppering him with strikes. I mean, you know, throwing 500 strikes because this is obviously a main event. Covington and Masvidal, I don't know how the UFC schedule is looking early in 2021, but that is a pay-per-view headliner. If you want it to be, it's probably a co-main event. I don't think it would be, I don't think it would be a fight night main event because I think you want that on pay-per-view. So it's definitely on a pay-per-view, more than likely a co-main. But you, fuck man, if you could make Masvidal and Nate Diaz a pay-per-view headliner, uh, you definitely could make Covington and Masvidal, uh, you know, two fifty nines main event. I, you know, I'm just throwing that out there. I have no idea what's scheduled for that. You know, it'd be some shit if Amanda Nunes and Megan Anderson were the main event over Masvidal and Covington, which I think technically they'd have to be because they're, you know, that's a championship fight. But uh, yeah, that'd be some shit. Um, another welterweight fight I want to see here is uh, Leon Edwards and uh, Wonderboy Thompson. Uh, actually, you know what? I think this is the only one, <clears throat> excuse me, that breaks my rule, but I'm going to fix it in a minute. Because Edwards, I believe, is I believe he's still scheduled to fight Chimaev, even though that fight got canceled. Obviously, it was supposed to be the card on the 19th. Although maybe it's technically not done yet, but I think that's the direction they're going with. I don't want to see Edwards and Chimaev. That fight makes no fucking sense. No fucking sense. I want to see him fight Thompson, because that's actually going to be competitive. Le- and, and I know Leon turned him down before, allegedly. Um, but I, I need to see this. Leon Edwards is not in a position to turn down fights. Nobody wants to fight you. You are, you know, you're one of the more inactive fighters in the UFC. Also, a guy who doesn't really have a signature win. So, you know, he's a fighter who's going to get no promotional push. Nobody gives a shit about Leon Edwards, and I'm not saying that to be disparaging. I'm just th- saying that as a matter of fact. I think people should care about Leon Edwards because he's a very good fighter. But nobody cares. Nobody's going to be clamoring for you to get a title shot. You're not in a position to turn down fights. Yes, you're on an eight-fight winning streak, but uh, let's you got to win over extremely washed-up Cowboy Cerrone, a weight class above what he should be because uh, he is a lightweight, and you have a, 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 a boring win over RDA, and that, that was your last win in July of 2019. Dude, we're almost in fucking 2021. You know what I mean? You haven't fought in a year and and a half. So I, 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 it's probably why he accepted the fight against Chimaev. Also, you know, I assume he probably thinks uh, uh, Chimaev is a hype train and he can steal some of that hype and it'll be an easy payday. But again, it's, it's like the whole Anthony Smith and Devin Clark thing. Like what the fuck? You don't just get to take unranked guys and put them up against, you know, uh, highly rated guys in a division. That's not how this works. Take on Thompson. He's sitting right there at uh, at number five. 
it makes sense. You know, the welterweight division is stacked. This would this would provide far more clarity to the welterweight division than Edwards and Shemaev. That would only muddy things, which is not in itself a reason not to do it. But three versus five, Thompson's very fucking good, man. I know Edwards is a, you know, uh, he's an okay striker and he's a, he's a very good wrestler. Thompson's got one of the highest takedown defenses uh, in the UFC. So, I mean, what are you, what are you going to do? What do you, Thompson's probably not going to knock you out because, uh, you know, doesn't really throw everything with uh, any one strike, just kind of more of a volume guy, but such an elusive guy, a master, a master. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's going to go to a decision if Thompson wins. So you're going to have, you're going to have 25 minutes to try to figure out that puzzle that, that many guys before you have failed. And, Okay, I'm sure the UFC probably told Leon Edwards if he beats Jemayev, he gets a title shot. That is—I don't think that's true. I think they're lying. Uh, I think he could get a title shot, but you don't get a title shot off of Jemayev. What the fuck? If you beat Thompson, yeah, you should get a title shot. Obviously, we just went over. We need to see Covington, Masvidal, Usman, and Burns, so get in line. But, like, that would that would put you over the top. If he beat Thompson, I would go, wow, this guy is a serious, serious contender here in the welterweight division uh you know but if he beats Chimaev, you know what people are gonna say they're gonna say well yeah he beat a guy who was barely ranked a guy who fought three nobodies john phillips and reese mckee john phillips a guy who has a guy who was like one in five in the ufc reese mckee a ufc newcomer and gerald mearshart a guy who's well below 500 in the ufc okay so you you already know you already know how it's it's going (coughs) Excuse me. Um, and then the final welterweight fight here. Don't worry. Don't worry. We got something for Chimaev. Hamza Chimaev's going to take on Tyron Woodley. So how about that? I guarantee, I guarantee fucking to you nobody's ever called for this fight to happen. But I'm going to call for this fight to happen. I need to see it. Uh, Woodley needs to get a win. Okay. I think it's telling that Woodley did not retire um, after, his, after his loss to, to Covington. I think if Woodley was done, he would have retired pretty soon after that, but he's still around. So let's get him another fight. Chemayev, we do have Chemayev as the number 15 middleweight. So, you know, it's not like, uh, you know, it's not like Chemayev is, uh, you know, a, a nobody. Obviously, he's got a ton of hype. Woodley, I'm sure Woodley thinks it, it's an easy fight for him because this is a guy who's fought nobody. And maybe he's right, maybe he's wrong. I honestly don't know who I'd favor in this fight. It's probably 50-50 because, you know, let's let's not forget Woodley's lost. Yeah, he has lost three in a row, but to three really, really high-level fighters. You know, it's a whole thing with Damian Maya. Where Remember Damian Maya was on that three-fight losing streak to really, really good fighters like Usman and Woodley and... Uh, Oh, shoot, I forget the other one. And, and then he, you know, he, he strings together some fights, you know, beats Rocco Martin, beats uh, Ben Askren. So it's like, it's all about context. Like, oh, Woodley's on a three-fight losing streak. Yeah, but if you didn't fight three guys in the top three in the rankings, then fucking, you know, if he, if he just fought the number 15, 14, and 13 guy, he'd probably be fucking 3-0 because, you know, <laughs> fighting good fighters matters when you're when you're talking about wins and losses. So I think that one's much more much more interesting. It probably could be a fight night main event because uh, you have a former champ and you know you have this uh, uh, you know uh, rising superstar. And 
I, I almost feel it doesn't do more, but it's kind of similar to if he would have beat Leon Edwards, because Leon Edwards hasn't won a title in his in his life, or maybe he won one in, in Bama or, you know, whatever, you know, UK organization he was in. But you you would you could say Hamzat Jamayev beat a former UFC champion, which is not a trivial thing to do, even though, you know, he's a little bit removed from his title reign. So, you know, there's still a lot on the line for Woodley or uh, Chimaev. That's that's still the biggest, uh, you know, step up in competition that Chimaev has had to this point in his career. All right, we'll try to go a little bit faster here through some of the uh, lower weight classes, not because they're not important, but because we are uh, running a little long here. Uh, now, in the lightweight division, I need to see the winner of Conor McGregor and Dustin Poirier take on Justin Gaethje for the belt. Now, this assumes that Khabib is done, which I think is accurate. He has not yet uh, been stripped of the belt, but I believe he will. It, re- it honestly would not shock me if they decided to make McGregor and Poirier for the belt. Um, but I, I, think this, I think this makes sense. Now, Gaethje did recently lose to Khabib, obviously, but listen, all three of these fighters have recently lost to Khabib. Khabib is the fucking goat of the lightweight division. Nobody could question that. So you you, you almost have to take out losses to Khabib out of the equation when you're talking about the future of this division because everybody got got by Khabib, okay? So... Uh, McGregor and Poirier, that's for the number one contender. Gaethje, you know, he's beaten everybody else. <coughs> he's beaten everybody else. So when I when I look at Justin Gaethje, I mean, what more do you want? Do you want him to take on Oliveira? I mean, I, I guess, I guess. But, uh, you know, again, it's almost like you have to throw out the losses to Khabib. So with with Khabib leaving, it's almost it's almost like you know Gaethje didn't lose to Khabib. I mean, vicious knockout of Vic, vicious knockout of Barbosa, a good knockout of Cerrone, early knockout over Cerrone, and then a domination of Tony Ferguson. I don't know, man. You look you look at what's left at the top of the lightweight division. I think Gaethje has to fight for the belt. You know what I mean? Which sounds weird coming off of a loss, but I I think it's how it has to be. And then obviously. Uh, you know, Poirier's done a whole lot more to earn his way back to the belt than McGregor has, but, you know, McGregor is fighting Poirier, and if he beats Poirier, who I think we have ranked at, um, uh, let me see here, we have Poirier at number two, so Conor McGregor's number two at that point, Gaethje's number one, who else could you put for the title? You could throw Oliveira in there, but we, we, we got plans for him in a minute. Um... Actually, no, we have plans for him right now. Uh, so, Oliveira, what do we do for him? Now, I don't think, unless McGregor becomes champion and he's forced to fight him, I don't think we're going to put Oliveira against McGregor. Uh, Poirier is about to fight McGregor. Uh, Gaethje is sitting there, so we could match up th- number one and number three. Uh, he just beat Tony Ferguson. You could put him against number six, Dan Hooker, but I don't know. Oliveira's looking up at this point. I would really try to make him look up. And one of the things with Oliveira is he's on this very impressive winning streak. He has the most submissions in UFC history, but 
he doesn't really have a lot of names on the resume until recently until recently so kevin lee former uh interim lightweight champion tony ferguson the same so he's starting to 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 string together some big name wins which is what you need you could beat all the fucking cupcakes in the world and i'm not saying well, let me retract that i'm not i'm not saying anyone he, he beat was a cupcake but you could beat all the no names in the world because uh, you still could be a good fighter and have no name but you know uh, you, you you still have to be a little you know marketing is a, is a very big thing uh you know in in the money era of the ufc so there's a very big name free agent who's looking for a dance partner enter michael chandler let's take michael chandler let's take uh let's take charles Oliveira. let's make it a main event or a pay-per-view co-main and let's let's essentially make it winner gets a chance at the title because at that point you know we will have uh poirier and uh and uh, mcgregor completed i assume i it would shock me if they if they put Oliveira and uh uh, Michael Chandler bef- before you know January twenty second or whenever the fuck that pay per view is. Um, I guess it would get a little weird with them fighting Gaethje, but you know they they can stay on ice for a little bit. But you know, point being with with Michael Chandler, <coughs> uh, point being with Michael Chandler is uh, I'm not I'm not having him fight the number twelve guy. Michael Chandler is a very, very big name fighter. He's well respected uh, across many organizations. He had a lot of suitors, and uh, you know, obviously, he was the backup for uh, Khabib and Gaethje. Uh, you lose that, you don't get to keep that. So he, you know, you got to get a win in the UFC first before you can even think about the title uh, at this point. But uh, he, he's also 34, and he's also 34 at lightweight, not not fucking you know middleweight or light heavyweight where you know careers tend to go a little bit longer a little bit older uh he probably has two and a half to three years of prime fighting left and that actually might be generous two two and a half to three years of relevance uh good level fighting left he might only have like two years of 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 his prime so I'm not here to fuck around and have him fight Drew Dober. No disrespect to anybody lower in the rankings, but we need to figure out very, very quickly whether or not this guy is the guy or he's not. Okay, we, you know, we, we don't we don't have three fights to work him up. We got to throw him in at the top end of that division, and either he sinks or he swims. Uh, and and I, either way, it's either way it's good. We, I mean, we found out either you know, ho- holy shit, this guy you know dusts Oliveira, and wow, he needs to fight for the belt, or he loses, and now we know. But uh, you know, you're you're kind of handed a, a a golden ticket here. So let's let's figure things out. Uh, and then again, for Oliveira, if you could beat Kevin Lee, uh, Tony Ferguson, and Michael Chandler, title shot, title shot. I mean, you know, you beat three very big name guys. You're looking to you you already have the wins on that winning streak. Let's add some names, and that would be a name. And then for Chandler. You know, Oliveira's not a big name, especially in the lightweight division, because, you know, you got a lot of superstars in that lightweight division, but he is a highly ranked guy. You would be in the top three uh, at lightweight, one fight in. And, uh, you know, I I think it would be a fun fight, too, especially um, stylistically, because, you know, Chandler's a very good striker, but obviously he was a wrestler at Mizzou. So a very well rounded guy, does have some power. And then you look at Oliveira obviously very dangerous on the ground 
I, I think it's safe to say that it would be Oliveira's world on the ground, even though Chandler is a good wrestler. Uh, can can submit you from anywhere. Obviously, like I said, had the has the uh, most submissions in UFC history. But if there's one thing we've learned about Oliveira over his last handful of fights, his striking has improved greatly. His striking is actually... It's, it's tough to know if it's like the Khabib effect, where the threat of your wrestling makes your striking that much better, or if your striking is just that good. But either way... It, it manifests itself in the octagon, but for sure his striking has gotten better. So, I mean, two really well-rounded guys, both with their individual uh, specialties. Um, that's it That's it for lightweight. Uh, featherweight, we're going to go uh, Volkanovski versus Zabit. Now, I don't think Volkanovski and Ortega is finalized. Uh, Brian Ortega, you don't get a title shot after beating the Korean Zombie. Uh, that's the that's the biggest thing that kind of baffled me is we we well not me but you know a lot of fans uh, after he beat uh, the Korean Zombie we're like oh yeah title shot what the fuck no definitely not what uh, you know <clears throat> excuse me this is a guy who hadn't fought and it was a very good win by the way don't get me wrong that was a very good win uh, keeps him relevant but no you're not you don't get a title shot off of that. That fight was in October of this year. He had a nearly a two-year layoff. His last fight before that was uh, December of 2018 against Max Ho- Max Holloway, where he got that was a historic ass whooping. He got his ass beat so bad in that fight, so bad in that fight. So I, I think enough time had passed where people just forgot about that and went, "Oh my God, man, T City, whoa, T City, he's back." But like, no, you don't. You can't just be inactive for two years and come back and get one win, and, and and you know be at a title shot. I think Zabit is far more deserving of a title shot, uh, and and I think that would be much more interesting. Obviously, uh, the 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 first thing you're gonna notice if that fight ever happens is that Zabit is way taller than Volkanovski. I think Volko is five six. <coughs> Excuse me, and uh, Zabit is six foot one. So that's all. That's already interesting. Uh, Volkanovski is a, a wrestler, but has those good leg kicks, and Zabit is just creative and you know throws spinning shit, and uh, he's gonna have an, one hell of a reach advantage. So that that's far more intriguing to me. And uh, rankings wise, you know, I think technically we have Ortega uh, one spot higher. Yeah, Ortega's at two, and Zabit's at three. But you know. I don't I don't know. I guess that's just because we're generous and didn't bump Ortega down for inactivity. But you you look at Zabit, I mean, a win over Cater, a win over Stevens, uh, you know, a, a fight of the night performance over Kyle Bokniak. I that that's that's far more interesting to me. Uh, I I uh, I'm not saying Ortega couldn't beat Volkanovski, but a lot of it is about well, who's who's earned it. I don't I don't doubt that, you know, I don't doubt that Ryan Hall has the potential to beat Volkanovski and, and heel hook him, you know, in that fight. But Ryan Hall hasn't earned it, so we don't talk about Ryan Hall getting a title shot because he's sitting at 13 and is a very inactive fighter. Not his fault, by the way, but you know what I mean. I don't doubt. I don't doubt that. Fucking. I don't doubt that Colby Covington could fight Volkanovski and he'd win. But we don't. We don't just. We don't just do fights by that logic. Um, 
think that's the only featherweight fight we have. We have four fights here in the bantamweight division. Bantamweight division is really fun because there are a lot of good fighters. A lot of good fighters. So first of all, uh, more of a technicality, I hope. I really hope because uh, this one is not on the books. But we need Piotr Jan and Aljamain Sterling. Uh, Jan's the champ. Sterling's the clear-cut number one contender. There's nothing more he could do uh, to, to earn a title shot. You just have to give it to him. Uh, I know there's going to be temptation to, you know, well, can we can we get Frankie another win and, and have him fight for the title? There's going to be, you know, temptation with, well, what about Cody? Because he was a former champ and he's a star. You know what I mean? Because that's how the UFC operates. But, you know, we, we have to keep some semblance, hopefully more than a semblance, but we have to pretend to keep some semblance of, you know, the best fight the best and, you know, people who earn a title shot get a title shot and, you know, there's arguably nobody uh, more deserving of a title shot in the UFC than Aljamain Sterling. Uh, Five-fight winning streak at the highest level. And you look at his losses, again, it, it's it's a big what-if. You know what I mean? If if a couple of these fights were in different states with different commissions, ah, he, he might only have one loss in the UFC. Had a weird split decision loss back-to-back to, back to uh, Caraway and Asun Sao. Asun Sao is a very, very tough fighter. But again, split decisions, I don't fucking know. I mean, split decisions are so fucking random and, and you know, myopic to the, to the you know, individual circumstances going on in, in that building, what happened that night in the fight, the attitudes of the, 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 the judges, the moods of the judges, the commissions, I mean, you know what I mean? So could have gone either way and then you know his his only quote-unquote real loss is to Marlon Moraes where he got knocked out viciously with a knee so I mean that one you can't really argue but uh you know beat Jimmy Rivera when he was a highly touted prospect same with Cody Stamen beat him when he was 17 and 1 and that was a highlight level uh knee bar I believe they call that the Suluev stretch and I think Zabit hit one uh, on the same night or something because that was that was the the weird uh, thing about that that uh, knee bar is there was another one that night, very rare submission, uh, and then went over Munoz and and, and the uh, very quick choke of Corey Sandhagen. We have to get this fight together, and it's it would be interesting, classic uh, wrestler versus boxer slash kickboxer. Um, so I think that would be compelling, but uh, more than more than compelling, it has to happen. Um. Now, the other fight, uh, one of the other fights I want to happen here in the bantamweight division is Corey Sandhagen and Frankie Edgar. Uh, Now, that was supposed to happen in December of 2019, I want to say. That was, let me think, what was the circumstance around that? Edgar took a fight. No, okay, that's what it was. That's what it was. So, Edgar was coming off of a title loss to Max Holloway. And I think he was scheduled originally to fight Corey Sandhagen in January of 2021. But there was an opportunity for him to fight in a main event in South Korea in December against uh, Chan Sung Jung. He got knocked out by the Korean zombie, and therefore I assume he was medically unfit to fight, you know, four or five weeks later against Corey Sandhagen. So this was a fight that was supposed to happen but never happened. Now, uh, plenty of fight cancellations later for Frankie Edgar. Has that split decision win over Pedro Munoz. 
I believe I thought Pedro Munoz won that fight, but it was very close, and I, I suppose I wouldn't argue if you thought Frankie Edgar won that fight. But, you know, a win over a highly ranked bantamweight opponent, and, uh, you know, now you have Corey Sandhagen, who's kind of in a little bit of a weird spot, uh, because after not fighting uh, Frankie Edgar, he took on Aljamain Sterling, of course, uh, like we mentioned a couple of minutes ago, got choked out really quickly, came back in uh, uh, October, so just a couple of months ago, and had that uh, wheel kick knockout of Marlon Marais. So loses one, drops down a little bit, wins one, still up there. Let's have him take on Edgar again. Makes sense. The winner of that, maybe they maybe they fight for the title. I'm, I'm not going to rush Frankie Edgar into a title fight because this man has had more title fights than seemingly anyone in UFC history. Um, but a big name for Sandhagen to fight, it, it would be it would be a gritty one, and we'll, you know we'll see if Frankie Edgar can you know go on uh, some sort of crazy run here at bantamweight, which would be ridiculous because you know, especially given his age and and and, and all that, and uh, you know I think that would be a, a good one. Obviously a main event. Um, now the third bantamweight fight I want to see is uh, Cody Garbrandt and. Jose Aldo. Um, a lot of talk about Cody going down to flyweight and fighting Davis and Figueredo. I think that's squashed. I think that's put on ice because of that draw with Moreno. We, we have to have that part two. And part two is going to take a while because looks like Davison probably broke his arm. There was a lot of damage inflicted back and forth. But how could we not run that back immediately? That would make no sense. What if, you know what I mean? That's just not how that works. So that that is probably never going to happen. We're probably not going to see Cody go down and, and fight at flyweight. But I can give you a, a very good consolation prize, and that's, you know, one of the greatest featherweights of all time, Jose Aldo. Uh, and, and fuck, man, that would, that would do huge numbers. I mean, Cody's a, a big star. Aldo's got a big following. You know, two former champs. Uh, you know, Cody looks like he's, uh, he's back on track and, uh, you know, well, I guess, yeah, his last performance was that knockout of, uh, of a Sun Sao. So, I mean, by the time this fight actually happens, it, it, it will have been uh, a hot minute, but you know, his last performance, you know, was, uh, one of our, uh, contenders for, uh, or candidates, I should say for knockout of the year. And then, uh, you know, with, with Aldo, I mean, coming off of that uh, performance over Marlon Vera, that was a that was a, an eye-opening performance to see Aldo still have it. Obviously, you know, I had, had a good fight against Jan until, well, you know, it went wrong. But, uh, you know, if Aldo wants to work his way back to the title, then, you know, I, I don't think there's a better fighter to, to face than, than Cody Garbrandt. We have Aldo at six, Garbrandt at three. You're moving up the rankings, but not only are you moving up the rankings, you're still taking on uh, a, a superstar. It's it's a legacy fight while moving up in the rankings back towards the title. Uh, and, and uh, you know, you, you, a, lot, a lot of times you can't, you can't ask for that. A lot of times it's either we can get you an old guy legacy fighter legacy fight or we could have you fight a young killer like Corey Sandhagen who's up there in the rankings but you know not a big name well in this case it's both and then for Garbrandt uh, you know it, it's another win he just needs another win I, to, to get a title shot after knocking out a Sun Tzu in vicious fashion it, it could I could see it happening because of the era we live in again but 
you don't get a title shot after losing three in a row and then winning one fight by knockout. Like, you know what I mean? How about we string together? How about two wins? Two wins. If he beat Aldo, I could see them get, giving him a title shot. Uh, but you, you need another win. So just getting another win. And again, legacy fight for Cody. Uh, let's see here. Uh, I'm actually going to skip that one. We're going to go to flyweight. <coughs> and uh, th- this one's interesting because uh, Joseph Benavidez, I remember when he lost to Figueredo the, uh, the second time, was talking about, well, he's probably going to fight one more time, one more time, and wants to get a win and, and wants to fight someone uh, that- that's going to be a legacy fight. So... That immediately, you know, sparked something for me. I was like, oh, okay, let me take a look at the flyweight division. Uh, the flyweight division, there is nobody in the flyweight division who's a legacy fight, uh, other than, you know, Davison because he's the champ, but uh, that's never going to happen. <coughs> like, I'm, I'm sitting here, and I'm looking at guys like, well, Askar Askarov, Perez, Pantoja, Brandon Royval, Kaikara France, Bontarine, Dvorak, like, just... Nobody knows who any of these guys are, and they do not have the slightest legacy in the UFC. Maybe they will one day, but they certainly do not now. But then, I remembered that the UFC signed this guy from Japan who has uh, quite quite the legacy, or at least uh, maybe I should say the best legacy uh, of anyone in, in the flyweight division who's not, uh, you know, Davison or Moreno. Or, well, or Benavidez, for that matter, but, uh, you know, can't fight himself. Uh, Manel Cape. So, uh, 27-year-old from uh, Portugal. Now, he was fighting over in Ryzen. Now, Ryzen is not my expertise. I don't know a whole lot about Ryzen. <clears throat> Excuse me. But, uh, apparently, this is one of the, the hotter prospects that the UFC has signed. Now, he was supposed to fight Hajerio Bontarin in August. He was then supposed to fight Pant- uh, Alexander Pantoja in December. Let's have him fight Joey B. This was a guy who was a champion over in Ryzen. I think that's, a, that's as good as you can get for, for uh, Benavides. I know it's not ideal, but listen, you're in a very shallow division, and uh, there's not a lot of legacy fights, man. Not a lot of legacy fights. This would be a tough fight for him. This is a guy who uh, beat the likes of uh, Takeo Mitsugaki. Uh, Mitsugaki. Uh, he beat Ian McCall, uh, knocked out Kai Asakura. Um, you know, but uh, he's a champ in, in in a very respectable organization, especially at this weight class. Uh, you know what I mean? Some of those Asian organizations, uh, like uh, like Ryzen or One FC, they have very respectable uh, flyweight and even. Uh, Strawweight divisions, at least, at least in the case of One uh, FC. So, you know, it's a newcomer, and then you know, it, it's an intriguing fight for Cape. I mean, you throw him right in, right in the mix in the UFC, uh, and uh, I mean, shit, if you beat Joseph Benavidez, I mean, all right, something very special is going to happen because uh, you you would now be the number two flyweight in the division. Uh, so, I, I think that fight would be uh, intriguing for uh, for both fighters. Uh, let's see here. We have one, one female fight, because there's a whole lot of, uh, changes in the rankings, and there's, there's not a whole lot of fights I, I need to see happen on the women's, uh, side. 
straw weight has been losing depth from 10 to 15. Uh, fly, flyweight's been getting a little more interesting, and bantamweight is just dead. Uh, featherweight's non-existent. There, there, I, I just need to see fights happen. I don't need to see this person fight this person. I just need to see activity and people rise or people fall and, and for us to figure out where people belong in all three divisions. But I will say the one fight I do want to see uh, is in the women's flyweight division, and that is Valentina Shevchenko and Jessica Andrade. Uh, I, I need to see that happen. That's the one I feel most uh, passionate about. Uh, you look at Shevchenko, clearly a dominant champion. There, there's nobody. There's nobody. I mean, I even hate to say it because, like, oh, there's nobody in two in the next two years who, who's going to challenge her because you know, okay, she takes on some, you know, she takes on Lauren Murphy and she gets lucky, and you know, beats her. Anything can happen. I want to make that very clear. But it really seems like she's not going to lose anytime soon. There are there are some interesting prospects, okay, for sure. Like uh, uh, I know I know a lot of these fighters are at straw weight, but uh, we've seen a lot of straw weights move up to 125. But like, well, if Tatiana Suarez ever got healthy and moved up a weight class, that would be interesting. Or maybe Weili Zhang comes up uh, and fights at 125. I don't think that would happen. Uh, anytime soon, or or Rose comes up to 125, you know. But it's a lot of uncertainty, and there are some interesting prospects like a, like a Macy Barber, or I know Jillian Robertson just lost lost, but uh, you know she's she's very good on the ground, so that she's she's a fighter to watch. But let's go Shevchenko versus Andrade. Uh, you know Shevchenko. I know her last fight was a little interesting early on, but it was still a dominant decision rounds three through five was a little close but obviously a, a, a round that was won by Shevchenko but I'm seeing a lot of no names you know she she won the belt uh, fighting against Ioana and Jake Check, but since then Jessica I, Liz Carmouche Caitlin Chukagi and Jennifer Maya nobody really cares about those fighters and I'm not trying to be mean but you're not gonna you're not gonna draw any eyeballs to that you know what I mean those are all respectable good fighters in their own right but it's like oh wow I gotta tune into that Shevchenko Liz Carmouche fight I mean you know that's that's what did it for me nobody's ever said that but Andrade being a former champ uh getting a win so now she's the number one contender uh at 125 I mean let's let's make the fight happen let's let's make it happen uh you know I guess Calvillo's sitting there as well but uh you know Andrade, a big name uh, on the women's side, has the knockout of Chukagian, who you know kind of was a gatekeeper because she's been staying pretty active and, and getting wins and uh, you know kind of gatekeeping people from getting to the top. And I, I would still favor Shevchenko, but anything can happen. Andrade does have power. She's going to be a little undersized, but maybe, maybe, and this is kind of crazy to say because she was a champ at 115. But maybe, maybe she found the right weight class. You know, she originally was a 135er, moved down to 115 because 125 did not exist at the time. And now 125 is here. Listen, 20 pounds when you're when you're 135 pounds is a lot of fucking weight. You know what I mean? Uh, as a percentage of your body. So, you know, that's a huge, huge cut. I don't think she's a natural 115 fighter. I also think she was, you know, I don't want to say overbloated, but you know, a little too, 
a little too big at one or well, excuse me, a little too small, obviously stature wise, uh, at, at one thirty five. But one twenty five, that might be the the perfect middle ground. And you know, when you move weight classes, uh, it's a fresh coat of paint. So you know, had the loss to Weili Zhang and then the loss to Rose Nama Yunes in in what was a you know a fight of the month uh, back at uh, two fifty one. But she's one and zero at one twenty five, and that's literally all that matters. I mean, it's crazy. It's crazy how that works. And I just know that this fight would be good. I just know it would be interesting. It might not last very long, but I know that Andrade is like a, a bull in a china shop. She's just going to keep moving forward, constantly pressuring. Uh, you know, does she take Shevchenko down? Maybe. I, I don't think so, but maybe. Uh, but, you know, that's going to be a fun fight. It, it's not going to be just Caitlin Chukagian sitting there kit kickboxing trying to keep distance take you know getting taken down and getting smashed no it's it's we're we're gonna go to war here and over five rounds that's intriguing i don't think you'll need any of the championship rounds no matter who wins but uh you know i i I think that's probably the best fight you could make uh realistically for shevchenko at 125 all right with that we're gonna wrap up the show so you can follow me on Twitter at Owen Ely MN, Northstar Sports at Northstar MIN. You can check out our website at NorthstarSports.media. A whole bunch of fun shit on there, like our year-end rankings, uh, where we compare where uh, the rankings started to where they are currently. Uh, for most of the for most of the divisions, we started in May, so it's not a complete year. It's not a complete year, but seven months is a uh, you know, still a, a long enough time frame to where you can look at uh, the fighters and go, oh, that's cool. That fighter dropped six spots and this fighter went up three and, and stuff like that. So a whole bunch of fun stuff on that website. Uh, but for now, we'll wrap it up. Thanks for tuning in, everybody.